Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Tony Evans. Tony Evans is a speaker, author, and radio and television broadcaster. He serves as pastor to the Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas. He serves the body of Christ through his ability to communicate complex truths in simple yet profound illustrations. Let's dive into the message. If your health is falling apart, you're probably going to go to the doctor because you think the doctor can help you get it back together again. If your house is falling apart, you're going to call a repair person uh, to, to kind of come and fix what's broken. If your car is making all kind of noise, it means you need a mechanic, somebody who knows what they're doing, who can bring resolution to your car dilemma. What do you do when your world is falling apart? When your nation is in trouble? What do you do when you've hit a crisis so big that you have nowhere to go? What do you do when all human options have disappeared on you? And no matter which direction you look in, North, south, east, west, the answers are difficult and everybody's trying a lot of things, but nobody has a definitive answer. And it's not only affecting you and your family, it's affecting your neighborhood, your church, your nation, and the whole world. Well, that's what Corona is, isn't it? It's a pandemic, which means it's a national and international negative crisis. A crisis is a situation that overwhelms you. Crisis can come in a whole lot of forms. There can be economic crisis. We know what that's like due to corona. There can be a relational crisis. There can be social crises. There can be career crisis. One thing is true, though, it is overwhelming. What do you do when there's nothing you know that you can do. Well, that's why I love 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It is the story of King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat has a problem on his hands. It's a problem that has affected his whole nation. He says in verse 2, a great multitude is coming against us. He looks out and he says, every direction that I look, and he names them, he says, every direction, they're coming against us and they're closing us in. He is in a predicament, a dilemma. He's in a crisis. He says that this crisis is hitting him in every direction. And you, you pretty much know when you've hit that kind of crisis because your emotions begin to take charge. Because verse 3 of 2 Chronicles 20 says, Jehoshaphat 
was afraid. He was scared. He was terrorized because this was a problem he didn't know how to fix. This was an enemy he didn't know what to do with. This was his own corona, a problem too big for him to handle. We're told that in the midst of this problem, he turned his eyes to seek the Lord. That's what verse 3 says. He looked up because nowhere looking out could solve his problem. Right now we're seeing more people talk about God, talk about faith, talk about religion, talk about Jesus, quoting scriptures on newscasts. And yeah, there are those detractors out there, but it is pretty clear we're in a dilemma that is a little bigger than us. And even if it wasn't this corona, so many of us have our personal coronas, don't we? The viruses that have messed up our lives. He sought the Lord. He wanted to bring God into the equation of his dilemma. You know you're in a crisis that you can't fix when the harder you try, the deeper down you go, like quicksand. You know, the harder you try to get out of quicksand, the more it sucks you under. That's what a dilemma does that is a pandemic kind of crisis in your life and in your world. Well, that's Jehoshaphat's problem. What he decides to do is turn to the Lord and get everybody else to do it too because verse 4 says, he gathered together to seek help from the Lord and they even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. In fact, we're told in verse 3, he proclaims a national fast. You know, that's what we need today. We need to call our whole nation to a fast and prayer. Not just prayer, but a fast. Let me say a word about fasting. Fasting is a Bunsen burner underneath prayer. Fasting is giving up something physical to gain something spiritual. See, most people visit the spiritual while we live and are controlled by the physical. But what fasting does is it shifts that. It says right now the spiritual is more important than the physical. Heaven is more important than earth because I can't fix earth with earth because my problem is too big. I need the unseen world to enter to the seen world to affect my dilemma, my crisis. So he calls a fast. Right now, everybody should fast. You should pick up a meal a week, a day a week, where you leave the smart devices, you cut off the television, you walk away from a meal and you say, God, we are crying out to you now for ourselves, our families, our churches, and our nation because we're all in trouble. And we're crying out to you. And we're, this is so big and so bad that we're willing to give up something to gain something more. And that is to gain you in the middle of our pain, uncertainty, sickness, and death from an unseen enemy. Are you enjoying today's podcast? This podcast and all of Miracle Channel's outreaches are made possible by our donors. Every day we receive incredible stories of lives being transformed by the truth of God's Word. And none of it would be possible without the generosity of people like you. If you'd like to partner with us, please consider making a donation today. Your support will help us share the hope of Jesus across Canada and around the world. To donate online, simply visit miraclechannel.ca slash podcast or click the link in the show notes. Thank you for your support and together let's spread the message of hope far and wide.
if you want God to do something about the problem in chapter 20, you have to address something in chapter 19. You see, in chapter 19, King, King Jehoshaphat got all the nation to get right with God. It says in chapter 19, verse 4, that King Jehoshaphat brought the nation back to the Lord, to the God of their fathers. You see, being right with God is a prerequisite to hearing from God. You can fast and pray all day, but if you refuse to get right with the one you're talking to, then you have no guarantee he's going to respond because he doesn't want to respond so you can leave him out more, so that you can ignore him more, so you can say a prayer to get out of it and then skip him. So they got right first. And then they sought the Lord. We're in trouble. And even before this dilemma, we see all kind of trouble in our nation. Political, class, race, you know, all that's kind of, kind of become secondary to this bigger problem. But we've had a lot of problems that we need solutions for. But that starts with God going Godward. And so he calls everybody. In fact, verse 13 says that they even brought their children along with their wives, which means the men went front and center. They brought their wives, they brought their children. In other words, everybody in on this, because this thing affects all of us. If we, this invasion hits us, everybody's going to be destroyed, Jehoshaphat said. And we're seeing with this coronavirus, it can hit any of us, and it can be deadly with a blow. And so everybody got on board. That's why we want our church, our church in Dallas, to at least find some time every week and maybe a portion of every day to call you to a fast, to tell the children, no, not now. We're not, we're going to take 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever works. We're going to give up meat today or we're going to give up a, a, a television for this period of time and we're going to talk to each other. We're going to talk to God because we want our family protected from this virus and we want our nation to be healed of it and we want our medical experts to find a solution to it. So let's cry out to God. It's called a solemn assembly in scripture, a sacred gathering where people were called to invoke on heaven because history was in trouble. And so he calls on them. He makes a statement in verse 12. He says, the reason that we're calling on you is we don't know what to do and our eyes are on you. Ah, oh, you don't know what to do, huh? This is outside of your control. See, we'd like to be in control. We like to be able to handle stuff. Well, God will let you know how bad you need him by allowing things in your life and my life and our lives collectively that we can't fix on our own. He says, we don't know what to do. And I'm not too proud to beg. I'm, I'm going to be humble with this thing. He prays a prayer beginning in verse five. Let me tell you the ingredients of this prayer. You start your praise with a prayer. He starts his prayer by rehearsing God's person and then graduating to God's power. Let me say that again. He starts his prayer by rehearsing God's person, then graduating to God's power. He tells God how great he is, how awesome he is. He tells God that he rules from heaven. He tells God that he rules over all the kingdoms. It is good to know that, that there's no problem on earth so big that God can't overrule it. He tells God, that the enemy coming at him is no competition for the God of the universe. So he brags on God's person, and then he talks about God's power. 
That's what you want. Don't just ask for his power and skip his person because his power is tied to his character. You want to know what he is like in order to get what he can do. So he brags on God, makes a big deal about God because he got a big virus, a big invasion that he needs to be able to address. And everybody was with him because that's how big the problem was. From the outhouse to the White House, everybody should be dropping on their knees, ideally at the same time. So he can hear all the voices calling down heaven in history and calling on God to invade this dilemma that we face. After his prayer, he got a prophetic word. It says God heard what he had to say and he called a prophet and he called the prophet in verse 14. He said, if you listen to the prophet, verse 20, you will succeed. You know, right now we need a word from God. Let me tell you about the prophet. The prophet was not a particularly popular person because they usually showed up during times of calamity and difficulty, often with negative things to say, but always with a positive goal in saying it, to get right with God so that things could be reversed, so that deliverance could take place, so that the agenda could be changed. And so, you want a prophetic word. We call that a rhema word. Let me give you a few Greek words here that will help you understand the rhema word. There is the graphe. The graphe is the book. It is, as it sits on your shelf or on your coffee table, it is the written, recorded word of God. That's the graphe. Then there is the logos. The logos is the content and meaning of the graphe. So you could never even open the Bible, but it would still be the Bible because it is the written word of God. But the Logos is what it says and what it means by what it says. That's why Jesus Christ, by the way, is called the Logos of God in John 1, 1, because he came to explain the Father to us. So it is the content and its meaning. That's the Logos. But then there is the Rhema word. The Rhema word is the specific utterance into your specific situation. You need a rhema word because you got a real dilemma, a real problem. A rhema word is not a general word. It's just, it's not even a sermon because a sermon can, can be one word for everybody. A rhema word is God's word to you. They're in a dilemma and they need a rhema word, which is a prophetic word. He says, if you'll listen to the prophet, now, now just because somebody preaching don't mean that the prophet. They've got to be consistent with the written word and with the living word before it can even be considered to be a prophetic word. So if the rhema word is not consistent with the living word and the written word, it in fact is not a rhema word, and that's a false prophet. But he does give his applicational words to specific scenarios to the prophetic voice today. That's why the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, despise not prophecy. I know we're listening to the medical experts, we're listening to our political leaders, but we ought to be listening for a word from God. And the more of those people that you can get to listen for God, the sooner we can get solutions to the dilemmas that we face. Even in your personal life, you want to listen for a prophetic word. It may come through your pastor, it may come through another believer who has the gift, but you want to listen to a word that speaks into your specific reality. 
After they prayed, God brought a prophet. And then it was time for a praise. Look at how much praise goes on in this chapter without the problem yet being solved. It says in verse 18, they fell down before the Lord and worshiped him. They say in verse 19, they stood up to praise the Lord. They say in verse 21, they sang to the Lord those who praised him in holy attire. It says in verse 22, when they began singing and praising the Lord set an ambush. In other words, praise made the difference. They had a problem, a virus they couldn't fix, an invasion they couldn't overcome. That led to a prayer. The prayer opened the door for a prophet. And then it was time to get your praise on. Let me talk about praise. Praise is accentuating and expressing value to God. You can worship privately. Without saying a word, you can worship. You can worship in your heart. You can worship with your mind. You can worship in silence, but you can't do that with praise. Praise is worship gone public. Praise is declaring your stand. That's what the psalmist meant in Psalm 34 when he said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt and extol his name together. In other words, he says, get your praise on. When you magnify God, you can't make God bigger, but a magnifying glass doesn't make something bigger. It just shows you in a bigger way what's really there. The Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. He hangs out in praise when praise is coming from the right heart. Get your praise on even though your problem's not solved. Praise God that he's bigger than corona. Praise God that he's bigger than your private coronas, however they may show up in your life. Praise him that he's greater than whatever the greatest challenge is in your life. It says, when God heard their praise, he set an ambush for the enemy. In football, when my son Jonathan was a fullback, a fullback's job is to run through the line and open up a hole in one of the gaps for the halfback. That's one of his main jobs. The quarterback receives the ball. The linemen at first are coming after the quarterback because the quarterback has the ball. When the quarterback hands off the ball to the halfback, everybody shifts to go after the halfback now. Jonathan's job was to block them on the shift. You see, because you've shifted the problem to somebody else. You may have the problem right now, but when you get your praise on, you've shifted it over to God. That's why when David was facing Goliath, he says in 1 Samuel 17, verses 26 and 36, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that challenges the armies of the living God? He shifted it over to God. He said, no, you're messing with God now. In other words, he made it a spiritual battle, not just a physical battle with big boy. And no, he said, big boy is big, but he ain't that big because I know somebody bigger. When you learn to shift your pain, your problem, your dilemma, your coronas over to God, now you have somebody bigger than the problem you face and the problem that the medical environment faces that's, that's worldwide. It's time to shift that thing over. 
It's time to give that thing over. The Bible says in your praise, Psalm 50, 50 verse 23 is your deliverance. That God will deliver you in your praise. You say, but my problem has not been solved yet. I know your problem hasn't been solved yet. Get your praise on. What am I praising for when my problem hasn't been solved? I'm praising for the God who can solve it. I'm praising that it's not so big that it's bigger than him. I'm praising him for what I've seen him do in the Bible. See, that's why you have to know the word of God, because you need to know what he did yesterday to remind you what he can do today. That's why all through the Bible, it rehearses God delivering uh, from, from Egypt. It rehearses God delivering through the Red Sea. Why? To show them when they ran into their next Pharaoh, when they ran into their next army, when they ran into their next dilemma, that same God can handle it because he's already handled it before. The problem is if you don't have a history with God and you don't haven't seen what he can do, then you won't be as energized to praise him right now because you don't have a history with him. Ah, oh, but throughout the Bible, when folk got their praise on, God did something. If you don't believe me, ask Joshua. When they were walking around the wall of Jericho once a day for seven days, for six days on the seventh day, seven times, and they were letting out a shout. You know what that shout was? That wasn't just noise. That's a shout of praise. What were they walking around? A thick problem. A wall that wouldn't fall and an enemy that wouldn't fold. But when they got their praise on, <laughs> cracks started coming, rumbling started taking place. When they got their praise on, things began to collapse. The problem came to an end. If you don't believe that praise works, ask Paul and Silas in jail. They're in, they're in chains, they're in jail, but they got their praise on. And when they got their praise on, things started to shake. Things started to rumble and they were delivered. They even did evangelism by leading the Philippian jailer to salvation. You see, when you get your praise on, it causes heaven to move so that earth shakes, so that the rumbling down here occurs because God is moving. Praise is not praise until it's expressed. When's the last time you've gotten your praise on? So in your fast, get your praise on. In your prayer, get your praise on. In your dilemma, celebrate God because he deserves your praise. Magnify, make a big deal about it. Again, Psalm 34 says, my fears looked up to him and they got calm. If you're nervous about Corona, if you're nervous about your economic situation, if you're scared about your job, Tell your fears you want them to take a look at somebody else because as long as they're looking at you, they're going to control you. But tell your fears there's somebody, someplace else I want you to look because there's somebody else that I want you to respond to. So the more fearful you get, the more enclosed you feel, get your praise on. I love in football when a football player makes a big play. He makes a really big play. And then he walks and he does this, particularly the defense. They'll do that. You know what they're saying to the crowd? Give it up. That means give it up. And that means make some noise. Now, did you see what I just did? Make some noise and celebrate with me. You can't hear what I say, but I want to hear what you have to say. Make some noise because of what you know I have done and can do. You know what they did? They gave it up. They gave up their praise. You will never know God is all you need until you discover God is all you have. Right now, God is all you have. 
So let's let him know. We know he's all we need because heaven can overrule earth. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more messages from encouraging speakers that air on Miracle Channel and Corco. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.